Some 1,600 years ago, St. Augustine wrote and later said this prayer, and I'd like to open my thoughts with you this morning with his prayer. Let us pray. Lord, you are the light of the minds who know you, the life of the souls who love you, and the strength of the souls who serve you. Help us to know you, that we may truly love you, so to love you that we may fully serve you, whose service is perfect freedom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we're on the cusp of another great adventure. In a few short days, America's going to break out the red and the white and the blue, and we're going to celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. The colonies proclaim their independence. And on that day, in addition to what we just experienced, there will be fireworks and music and bands, and we'll all gather together to sing the national anthem where most of us will conclude off-key but with great fervor, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we'll all cheer each other on. We talk a lot about freedom, but exactly what do we mean when we use the word? Webster's Dictionary defines freedom in a way I suspect that would please most people. He says it means being able to act without hindrance. Translation, doing what I want. Let me pose a different definition that I would like to follow. Freedom means being able to choose who or what you will serve. Because here's the truth. Every one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, whether we recognize it or not, serves something or someone that we perceive to be greater. Paul says in his letter to the church in Galatia, part of which we just read this morning, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Freedom. Let's think about it for a while this morning. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote a little column in a local newspaper here called the Destin Log, and I wrote it about freedom. And I hearken back to the Billy Bolig's Festival. Now, if you're not familiar with the Billy Bolig's Festival, it's really an opportunity for families to gather together and kids and adults both dress up like pirates and or settlers and they pretend to enact some of the local four uh, history and, and folklore. And, uh, and that's really wonderful and it's fun. But on the water, on the water what takes place is a perfect expression of hundreds, maybe even thousands of boaters coming to the conclusion that they are free to live into Webster's definition and act without hindrance. In a living expression of a Marine Patrol's nightmare of chaos. If you go over the Destin Bridge or you go over the Brooks Bridge on, on the Billy Bolegs Festival days, you will know exactly what I mean. It's scary. 
or whether you're a boater expressing your freedom to do your own thing on the water or deciding to do your own thing at work or with regards to your family or your neighbors or your friends or your studies at school or whatever, if you think about it long enough and rational enough, you will come to the conclusion that Webster was wrong. No one, no one is so ruggedly independent that they can do whatever they want whenever they want. We're too interconnected for that to happen. That's because here's the deal. Every one of us has enthroned someone or something in the center of our lives that we kneel before and we serve. Give you an example. The most base scenario of this kneeling before someone or something and serving is selfish people who like to think that they put themselves on the throne. It's what we like to call the big I. I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. There's a theologian by the name of C.E.B. Cranfield who says this about that. He says, the man who imagines he is free because he acknowledges no God but his own ego is deluded. For the service of one's own ego is the very essence of the slavery of sin. See, the catch is this, that when a person worships his or her own ego, that's not exactly what's happening. What he's really doing is serving some passion that drives his flesh, some passion that drives him. Paul describes these as the sins of the flesh, and he lists them this morning. We read the list. It's long. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Apparently, the list goes on and on. It's these passions which, one at a time, some people place on the throne in the center of their lives and serve them. It's these passions that drive them. And as they yield to them, as they bow to them, as they serve them, they become, in effect, slaves to them. Does that sound like freedom to you? And, of course, the harsh truth is sometimes you and I are, are those people. Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus takes that and puts it bluntly. He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And then Paul reminds us in his letter to the church in Rome that slaves get paid what they deserve. He says the wages of sin is death. Does that sound like freedom to you? Those people really are slaves to the flesh. There are other folks that are inherently more noble. They understand that freedom really means the ability to choose who or what they're going to serve, and they do so willingly. There's a uh, 
There's a story about Abraham Lincoln. It's perhaps apocryphal, but it's compelling nevertheless. It seems he went to a slave auction for the sole purpose of buying a slave in order to set him or her free. And while he was there, they brought up this young girl, and people began to bid on her, you know, after examining her teeth and everything else about her. And Abraham Lincoln entered into the bidding, and, and he won. He bought the girl. And as Lincoln walked off with his property, he turned to the young lady and, and stopped her and held her by the shoulders and said, you're free. Well, of course, that doesn't compute. It didn't compute for that young lady. And, and she replied, what do you mean? And, and he said, it means you're free. And she said, does that mean I can say whatever I want to say? He said, yes, you can say whatever you want to say. She said, does that mean I can do whatever I want to do? And he says, yes, you can do whatever you want to do. And then hesitatingly she said, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And he said, yes, you're free to go wherever you want to go. And then she looked at him a long while and tears welled up in her eyes and she said, then I will go with you. There are lots of examples of people giving their lives over to serve good people and good causes and good principles. It is good to pour your life into your country or your family and your friends. Or It's good to be a steward of the planet. It's, it's good to, to work hard at your job. It's good to be a part of a school where you're studying hard or, or you're involved in some civic organization. The list goes on and on. But even the finest cause, and the grandest ideal, the most wonderful person, the greatest country has limits. This imperfect world is filled with imperfect people and imperfect ideas. And no matter who or what we serve, Here's the truth. You will at some point find yourself disappointed. You will at some point find yourself let down. The greatest heroes have clay feet. The grandest ideals are still pursued by fallible men and women. And if your whole life's meaning is wrapped up in service to them or to that cause, and they let you down, then what? Well, then you will certainly have achieved a measure of freedom that is to be admired and emulated because you, you did all these things and you did this service knowing going in that you would be disappointed. We need to love our country. We need to love our parents and our husbands and our wives and our kids and our neighbors. And we ought to have people and causes for which we're willing to put our life on the line and even die. We do well to model ourselves after great men and great women and great ideals. And they will give us freedom in that service. But none of them can set you truly free.
because not one of them can ultimately deliver a single person from the wages of his or her sin. Not a grand ideal, not a country, not a leader, not a saint, not your mom or your dad or your boss. The challenge for us is not just to be free, but to be truly free. What St. Augustine called perfect freedom. So here's a, a definition that I would like for you to think about for a while. Perfect freedom is the freedom to choose to serve the highest good, knowing that all other choices ultimately will lead to bondage. Perfect freedom is the freedom to choose to serve the highest good, knowing that all other choices will ultimately lead to bondage. If all of us serve something or someone, then what it does is make sense for us to want to serve the highest good. Why do you want to pour your life into something that's the lesser good? Or the evil? If we choose to serve the highest good, there would be only one then who can save us from the wages of sin. And we Christians know who that is. Jesus. You can say it with me. Jesus. We Christians know that it was Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was Jesus who said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If Jesus is the truth, and knowing the truth sets us free, then to know Jesus is to know true freedom. The freedom that comes from having given myself to a Lord who emptied himself and took on our humanity, who lived a life that was a perfect expression of what it means to be a two-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 30-year-old on his way to the cross, who took my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world on his own shoulders and on that cross received the wages that we were due. It was this same Jesus who was then raised on the third day and overcame sin and the death and the grave and offers to us eternal life with Him forever. If freedom is choosing who or what I'm going to serve, then I don't want to spend the rest of my life serving anything or anyone or any concept less than the highest good. So I choose to serve Jesus, the one who loves us first, who loves us best, and who loves us always. And if you choose the same, then you and I need to know we're in good company. Amen. There's a kind of slavery that we all ought to aspire to. Listen to this. Paul begins his letter to the church in Rome with these words. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. James begins his letter, James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter begins his second letter, Simeon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Jude begins his letter. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Wow. That's the kind of slavery I could get behind. This is the kind of slavery that makes me free. This morning we're all blessed to be a part of the highest calling that a person can have, to be slaves of Jesus Christ. To know that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, the blood of the very Son of God. In a world filled to overflowing with people who are sold out to everything from their own passions, to good people, to great causes, but who are saved by none of them, we know who we are and we know whose we are. We are slaves of Christ in whose service we find perfect freedom. In our prayer book, interestingly enough, in our morning prayer service, there is a collect that collects our thoughts. It's called a collect for peace, and I'd like to close with this prayer. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life, and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.